This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 285, Walt Disney Studios Feature Animation Part 1, Snow White to Oliver and Company. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Palmer. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here to talk about science fiction, fantasy, pop culture, and how it all relates to imagination, faith, and spirituality. And uh, I'm here with my friends, my two friends, Steve. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it a it's little, me again. <laughs> Steve's on the five second delay. Uh, because of language, we're, we're, we're just worried about yes, what, I what am. you might because say. Because of language. <laughs> you know me, guys. <laughs> it's like when Andrew Dice Clay did uh, Saturday Night Live and they, they switched from a seven-second delay to a 15-second delay. So they were able to, <laughs> yeah, well. to catch anything. And then there's Evan. Hello, it's yeah. me, Evan David. Yeah. He's on the negative three-second delay. Right, pretty, because of, because of is, accents. Um, because of accents. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we're here. With uh, I think a fun topic. We've done some retrospectives of uh, animation companies before, and um, and now it's time to go to the the granddaddy, the granddaddy That's right, of the them greatest all. animation studio of all time. Uh, absolutely, and I don't think anyone could ever say that there was anyone who was even close. Warner Brothers, not close. <clears throat> I, I not just, for feature animation, bro. <laughs> maybe for shorts. No. But, yeah, maybe for shorts. But yeah, even then, uh, of course, with Warner Brothers, they became well known for their shorts because they packaged them for TV. Uh, but that's also a, something that Disney was able to do was was uh, you know the wonderful world of Disney with their right. their TV show as well and and Mickey, the, Mouse um, Club. Mickey Mouse Club. So yes, I mean Warner Brothers is up there, but not anywhere close, especially with with uh, the feature animation. And that is what we're here to talk about is yes. Walt Disney's feature films part one, because there's a lot of them. And okay. And when we say Walt Disney's feature films, this is Walt Disney animation studios. Yes. Not the man himself. Correct. And, and it's also, there's other animated films that Disney has released that were not produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios. You have to have all four of those words in here for for this to qualify. Wow. Which is why Pixar does not qualify. Correct. Tony. And and so with with that, but we've we already did Pixar. 
Yes, we did. Yeah, so our, our list, we're going to do two. And we're going to start with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and end with the movie before Little Mermaid. Because Little Mermaid kind of brought on a breath of fresh air and got people excited about Disney animation in a way that they hadn't been in a long time. Right. And, and just animation in general. Yeah. And even people, though there were some good Disney films before Little Mermaid, you know, directly before, maybe the five or ten right before them, there might have been some good ones. They didn't they weren't the extravaganza that people were looking for, you know, especially early on and then you know later on as Disney films. And they didn't carry that weight that it was like an event that you went to, right. you know, especially if you have kids or you were a kid. Well, but even even outside of that, uh, in high school, uh, so Little Mermaid was 89. I was in high school. But in high mm-hmm. school and college, Disney movies were anyone would go to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so it wasn't like, oh, I know it's going to be a good movie for my kids. We took dates to see Aladdin and and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And, you know, these were these were things that um, we'd watch over and over again. And yeah, it wasn't just for kids at that point. So that means we're going to start at Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. We're going to work our way through. And there's a lot, even, even yeah. cutting the list in half. We are looking at, uh, let's see, how many are we looking at? 27 films. 27. So we don't have to spend a lot of time on every single movie. But um, things that do stick out to us, um, I think definitely we should should talk about. And especially if we really liked it or really didn't. I just finished writing my letterbox rating ranking for these movies. You're supposed to be doing the podcast, not yeah. ranking your letterbox ratings. I did it days ago, guys, because I am. Delete it now because <laughs> you did it during the show. Doesn't count. Yeah, you're, you're, you're doing this on work no. time, man. Yeah, I'm, like that, I'm not. That list belongs to the podcast now. That's you said intellectual you just property it. of the podcast. You said you no. just finished it, and I heard like I, keyboard tapping. I just finished it this week, it's and I'm pulling it up now. now. Oh, okay. my goodness. So – your list has what all 50 some it's got 51. I haven't seen a couple of the early, early ones. Okay. All right. Um, so, so as we go along, especially the movies that stick out to you because you really, really like it or really, really don't. Um, but it's, it's really interesting because they came out of the gate with snow white and the seven dwarves, yeah. which is a movie that dwarfs. everyone thought would fail. Oh, and it was a huge, huge risk. Yeah. Uh, but we're going back to 1938. Yep. 37, it says. December yeah. 21st. Really? I had high hopes for it. Yeah. You know, back then. Oh, okay. It was the wide release was in 38. And it premiered, I guess, in 37. 38. 38. January 38. I'm going to go premiere. with 38. Yeah, go 38. <laughs> because actually... We're in 2018, so we can say that we're doing it as a the 80th anniversary 80th anniversary thing. That's why we're doing this. That's exactly why we're doing this. <laughs> 80 years 80th of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So, okay, I saw this movie in theaters. I did oh, as well. Not in 38, but I did see right. it in theaters in probably I don't know, maybe 88. I don't know when they did a re-release. 87. Uh, okay. So 87. 
because they were actually considering 37. It was the 50th year, maybe anniversary. Um, but they counted it wrong. They should have been going with 1938. And, but, uh, yeah, so I would have seen this in 1987 and, uh, it blew me away. It blew me away. I was 13. I was jaded. I mean, I had experienced <laughs> life. Yeah. You know, um, but I go to see this cartoon and it's just, it was magnificent on the, yes, on the big screen. Yeah. And that now I'm listening to a lot of podcasts about things like this. And uh, one is called, um, shoot now i can't remember the name of it um it's the disney history institute yes and and there's a a number of episodes that touch on on the making of this movie and yeah it just you know how amazing you know how great this movie actually was you know how great this was as a cartoon do you know exactly exactly how great it was this is telling okay they made a radio version of this. It wasn't a cartoon. It wasn't live action. It was radio. And even that was phenomenally good. I have not heard that. You know, with ev- with everything stripped away, it was, uh, I forget what it was on. It was, I think, I think it was Lux Radio Theater or something. But, uh, you know, you strip away everything visual you still have a phenomenal piece of work. I'll try to find the the radio version of it and link you to it. Cool. Because it's just fantastic. Evan, is this one that you have seen? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, uh, I was born right when Disney started releasing all their old classic films on VHS on home video release, because before that you couldn't, there was no home video release and they would just release it every decade or so. So the new generation had a chance to see them. Um, so my parents were buying all the, all the home video releases and we got, this one was one of the first ones I remember. I thought they were doing that before, before 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Very fun. Well, and, and yeah. I did see it on VHS as well, but yeah, but in seeing it in the theater, it was, it was just wonderful. Yeah, I would like to see it in the theater. Um, I the, I just watched it a couple years ago, and just the, just as a work of art and a, a piece of film history, it's a great, great thing to watch and to look at. And um, I mean, the rotoscoping stuff, and especially if you know the. If you like, go and listen to that Disney History Institute thing, um, because they share a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, and it's really good. Bam. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so next is po- Pinocchio, and ah, uh, one of the most horrifying films <laughs> Disney has ever released. I don't think they realized back then, though. <laughs> like back then, it was just like, "Hey, let's do this," and then they do it, and they're not really thinking about how little children are going to be freaked out by this because nobody's ever been freaked out by a cartoon before. Right. You know, it's never been this realistic or this dark. (laughs) And and so then after this, they're like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) you know, it's, it's big. It's on the big screen. It's realistic looking and let's be careful here. But yeah. Cause that, that kid turning into a donkey will haunt your nightmares. (laughs) Well, the whale too. I mean, 
there's the whale pales in comparison to the kid turning into a dog. Okay, yeah, uh, I'll give <laughs> but you that. It was supposed to be. I mean, back then you had stuff like this because it was cautionary. I yeah. mean, obviously you weren't going to turn into a donkey, but the thing is, it was so horrific that you didn't even want to get that close to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and nowadays it's like, oh, well, we can't show that to kids because it'll freak them out. But the thing is, it's supposed to freak them out, yeah. you know? So yeah. um, one thing I will say about this is every time they got to the Pleasure Island part and kids are like throwing bricks through glass and stuff, I'm like, man, I wish I could go there. <laughs> I'm just wondering <laughs> who's fixing the glass so they can keep breaking it. Yeah, also true. But uh, I mean, this is the book itself that it's based on is it's good, but also scary. Um, mm. And there's elements of this story that are very uh, Christian spiritual elements as far as, uh, you know, Jiminy Cricket being the conscience, but who's killed by the sinner. And there, there's some really interesting um, spiritual elements that can be brought out of it. Um, the the blue the the blue fairy, in a lot of ways, acts as a kind of a a god figure, and you know, giving Jiminy Cricket as the the voice of the conscience uh, to Pinocchio and uh, giving life. And it, there there's some very interesting spiritual ideas that can be pulled out of out of this story. It gets a little bit. Uh, watered down in in the animated version, um, but the animated version is much more palatable and and <laughs> and more accessible as well. Well, even the 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 name Jiminy Cricket is a minced oath for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, people would say that, and you know what they meant because it had the J and the Cr there. You know, I mean, like there's other things that people say that I won't get into nowadays um, that have that same cadence that same type of thing and, and back you know 50 100 years ago if you didn't want to be really offensive you might say something like that you know like judas priest is another thing instead of you know you know jesus name yeah. um that people would would say that in in place of it but here disney is using it as a very you know a helpful character a conscience a, you know someone that that is trying to you know help this person Along with their salvation. Well, yeah, guide this um, person to becoming a real a real boy, right? Which you know, you look at this, and you know, the parameters are you know, you can't, you know, you got to be, you got to do good things, you know, and um, and so he's he's trying to be a real boy, but ultimately, it's not his power that that lets mm-hmm. him be a real boy, and um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 things you can read into it. Some of them, especially in the book, I think are meant to be readable uh but there's absolutely some very interesting things you can pull out of out of the movie all right um and also it's it's great animation oh yes yeah <laughs> yep the, i mean early the the opening scene with all the cuckoo clocks is one of my favorite parts of that movie yeah because it's just so rich and and beautiful and fun be interesting to see if you know they were all done by the same person or if it was you know you oh, know I sometimes doubt that. They, I don't know what yeah I don't know what what the what the whole thing it would be interesting to to get into a lot of that stuff that's probably lost forever on these old films. All right, so the next one is uh, we're in the forties now, and that's Fantasia. Fantasia, which well, technically um, it's still the thirties, but go ahead. Is it? 
I mean, they're making it in the 30s. Well, if you go the decades, you know, 1 through 10 is the first decade, then 11 through 20 is the second decade. Um, then 40 would be the last year of the decade that consists mostly of the 30s. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So. so do you guys like this one? I I do. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, so do I, yeah. except for the very last number. Uh, the night on... Night on Bald, Bald Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. So do not enjoy that one. No. But, I don't like uh, the evolution one. <laughs> but, well, uh, they don't say it's evolution. No, but it's pretty clear what they're trying to get at. Which is, I like it because it has dinosaurs in it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with dinosaurs. <laughs> Unless they're magic dinosaurs. Um, not not to make I don't mean to make fun. But yeah, I mean, the there is that problematic, you know, what what sorcery is, what the magic is and all that stuff. Um, I mean, it animated so incredibly well, but you know, you do have some really disturbing, you know, depictions and, and, uh, and animations going on there as well. It's the, you know, it's the thirties and the forties and anything can go almost, you know, they're, they're still pushing the, the boundaries and the limits of what can go in, in animation. So some of the stuff is a little, over the top well i mean there is there's uh some basically nudity with the harpies yeah um it, are you talking about the fairies no i'm talking about the harpies on bald mountain oh that are wow. flying at the screen mm, um, yeah with with topless tor- okay. torsos there's also a little bit in uh the the olympus one or the greek yeah. mythology yeah. one um it's not a kid's movie <laughs> well, it's, I don't know. It, it is and it isn't because it's an anthology, basically. Yeah, and it's basically of classical music, classical and... music videos, right? Yeah. Um, and then they've animated a, a story that goes along with the music. And again, going to that uh, the Disney History Institute podcast and hearing him talk and and quoting people who were working on this and how they would just listen to the music over and over and over and over and over and over and then create these story beats that, that have a, you know, a story that they're, that they're telling. And, and yeah, there's, there's mythology, there's, um, there's fantasy with the sorcerer's apprentice. There's uh, the night on bald mountain, which is basically, I guess the devil kind of conducting a symphony (laughs) of of evil. Um, Mm. And, what and then they were able to take these segments and pull them out and use them in other places, like the Disney Halloween special yeah. and, and the Disney Valentine's Day special that would show up and they they would have you know that that quick segments from from here and uh, yeah but it's as far as animation itself it's a masterpiece yeah, yeah. of animation I mean uh, if you're an animation lover student you have to see this. Yeah. Cohesively or in, in each individual part, you know, if you take it apart, it's still fantastic. Well, I know yep. some people believe it's very difficult to watch all at once and I can understand I th- that. Yeah. And I think if you're going to watch it all at once, try to see it on like the biggest screen you can. Cause uh, Walt Disney called it the concert feature. So it's like an alternative to going to the symphony orchestra, you right. know, it's it should you you should dress up and you should go to this event and watch it. So now we have Dumbo, 
and <laughs> another disturbing one. <laughs> oh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> We've got a live action version coming out, directed by yes. Tim Burton. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. I think Johnny Depp as uh, Dumbo, I believe. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's doing the, that doing the method acting thing, and he's been hanging out in zoos, just getting that cadence for his walk. <laughs> well, this is an interesting one because you know you have uh, you know Snow White based on you know the grim uh, folktale from a hundred years before. Yeah, Pinocchio, which was you know a fifty-year-old tale. You have Fantasia, which is based on all these old things, and then you have Dumbo, which the book that it's based on was published after Snow White came out. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like this established character in, you know, legend and lore yeah. or anything like that. It's just this book from a couple of years before. This is like a modern contemporary story almost. Yeah. I mean, for you know, for for Disney, you know, well, you but very the, seldom. The book wasn't even a book, that. though. The yeah, book was this thing that you it was basically scrolls where yeah. you would turn a crank and it would move the paper from one roll to the other. And it would tell the story as it went along there. So it's not even a very long book. Uh, mm. And so what they did was they took that and then uh, some of the story guys took the, uh, the the idea and then they would just be writing chapters of the story and, and giving Dis- Walt Disney chapters like every other week, you know, kind of thing. And it's just <laughs> this kind of continuing story to show that the idea could sustain a, a, a longer form telling. and. Right. And then that's what was kind of then ter- taken and turned into uh, the the movie that that we ended up getting. I mean, there was some changes, sort of shows, but yeah, it sort of shows because it's barely over an hour long. You know, it's the it's the shortest uh, Disney feature. Hmm. And th- really, because it yeah. always seemed really long to me when I was watching well, it as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it's so hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do love I love the sequence with the storks delivering the babies. That's a great one, and the the scene with the tr- the train, like basically all the parts without Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I love the are, are really good. But, um, <laughs> the credit sequence, <laughs> spot um, on. Yeah, this is not one of my favorites. I mean, no, it's yeah. it's well made. It looks good, but I it, I could. If you're going to say take it or leave it, I would I could absolutely leave it and and not feel bad. It's just Me not too. not great. Not one of the greats. Nope. But you know what is? The next bam, one? Yeah. Bambi. <laughs> Bambi. Emphasis on the bam. Bambi. <laughs> I I I love this movie. I, I haven't absolutely seen it since I was love a kid. this movie. Um it's just it's just I, I I don't know what it is about it, but just the slice of life, I guess, in in the animal kingdom and the the way that, you know, things in that animal kingdom are different than in our world. You know, the mm. the they they treat they they treat the animal nature of the animals as part of their character and part of their society and part of their culture. And and so the way, you know, Bambi's father is this kind of unapproachable thing, this majestic thing that um, all the other deer just, you know, 
they, they're in awe of him when he comes near, you know, and just things like that, where you are watching this fantasy film about a fantasy culture. Hmm. And, um, you know, I never read the book, but it's based on a book that, um, is, is, I guess meant to be that kind of thing where it's, you know, the, the characters in the book are animals and you're seeing them think about things as if they were humans thinking about, you know, their, their animal life. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I love this movie. I want to, I want to watch it because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because in its initial release, it did not make back the, uh, the budget. So, hmm. you know, so they had to, I mean, I didn't have to re-release it, but you know, as they re-released it, it started to, uh, started to, you know, actually pass, surpass the budget, but it, it actually didn't gross back the budget in its initial release. So the next handful of movies I've not seen as movies, right? I've seen the segments from them, but, and I shouldn't even say all, I don't think I've seen all the segments, but you have Saludos Amigos, the three Caballeros, make my, I can't say it. I learned. The L's are like. I learned like French. I I did not learn Spanish. Make my music, fun and fancy free, and melody time. And so I put these all together. Sure. But I mean, you can pull anything out of here that you want. Casey at bat. I saw separate from yeah. Peter and the Wolf. But those I know are I've both seen part, Casey at bat. They're both part of Make My Music. Okay, I love the Peter and the Wolf one. We would rent that one from. Uh, the video store when we were little, just that segment and watch it. Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk. I've seen out of context oh, from fun so and fancy good. free. That's a mm-hmm. great, great short. And I, I love it. Uh, but that was along with uh, little bear bongo. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about that, man. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> um, little toot. What's little toot? Little, that- the, um, it's a, it's a, it's a tugboat. Oh, okay. I don't know it's if I've seen like- the actual short. I think it's sort of like the little engine who could, except it's a tugboat instead of a train. Mm. Uh, But Pecos Bill and Legend of Johnny Appleseed, those are both uh, segments that I've seen. And those actually might have been along with Casey at Bat as kind of a um, myths and legends kind of collection or something. Because they did release a a American Myths and Legends DVD in the late 90s, early 2000s, and I think those were all on it. Okay, well, that's not how I saw it because – Okay. I would have seen it when I was much younger than DVDs. But um <laughs> but you know, they also again, like Fantasia, would pull these out of context and, and make them part of uh you know a, a special Disney show, like, right. like they put in primetime special or part of the wonderful world of Disney. Um, little tooted friends or something. So these ones I am not as familiar, but again the the craftsmanship of animation here. And this is, I think, something that just goes across the board for almost every Disney production is just amazing. You know, it's hmm. it's so um, it's just high quality. Yeah. And long form or short form, there's just something special about Disney animation that, that came out of the Disney studio. Yep. Uh, 
Yumi, my daughter, ha- is loving. Uh, we have the Mickey Mouse app on our Apple TV. And it, <laughs> it has all the classic shorts or a lot of the classic shorts on it. And she loves them. She her favorite one is the one where Donald's trying to go to sleep or to go night night, as she says. And <laughs> and his like everything goes wrong, like his clock, you yeah. know, won't stop ticking, and his bed is a folding bed that keeps unfolding. Um, <laughs> and she loves it. And I'm just I watch him with her, and I'm just like, man, you know, the Warner Brothers stuff. Their scripts might be sharper, but man, the aesthetic is just night and day. With yeah with the Disney animation. Yeah. Yeah. So e- even the kind of what you would call a, a throwaway with like, it's just, it's just a goofy movie or a goofy short or a Pluto yeah. short. Yeah. You know, yeah. Pluto and Chip and Dale are torturing him. And yes. it, uh, conceptually, it's a lot like, um, I don't know, a Warner brothers cartoon, but Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. Tom and Jerry kind of thing. But the, the actual like craftsmanship behind it there there's just something so much more to it yeah that's when i was growing up we always had um the warner brothers stuff and then every once in a while we would see uh the walt disney stuff so we were so you know entrenched in you know the warner brothers stuff and you could really after after a while when you're a kid you get a sense of it the flow of it where the very early animation, it's like they're animating every single thing. Mm-hmm. There's not there's not a machine behind it. And then, you know, you get to the point where, um, you know, they're doing reused stuff. And then you get to the point where it's very methodical and, you know, still well done. It's just you can tell it's different. You know, the, the, the matte paintings are, are, you know, different and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It's just it's a different aesthetic. And when it came to the Disney stuff. It always felt as though like the Disney stuff from the 30s and the Disney stuff from the 60s was still as, as similar to each other. You know, it, it, it's harder to tell the difference because I think the the whole, you know, the, the whole thrust of the studio was to keep it in the same style as long as possible. You know, I think you see that a lot with the the, the comic books and stuff. You know, you, you pick up some comic books from the 1940s, you pick them up from the you know 2000s, and I think the only thing that's really different is the lettering. You know, <laughs> I mean, the the artwork itself is very similar. It's just the it's studio holding the the standards and saying, you know, if you're going to work for us, you're going to do this. You're not going to do what you know the Tom and Jerry did with the you know the or the '40s stuff and the '60s stuff is so radically different that it, you know you can like one and not the other and you can understand why. But with the the Disney stuff, it was it, to to me anyway. It always felt like that there was a standard that was being uh, that the, the animators were being held to, and they were obeying it. And you know, for me on, on a much baser level, you know, the Disney stuff you found as a special it yeah. was yeah it was a sunday night kind of thing mm-hmm. it was a friday night kind of thing or it was a theater thing yeah and then you would have like it would kind of tear down from there so like warner brothers stuff that would show up on saturday morning and you would see it every saturday morning um yeah. 
and, and, and so it was just, okay, not as special. It didn't look as special. And then you'd have the Hanna-Barbera stuff, which was just, you know, <laughs> reusing everything as much as possible. And so it was just, it was just very, very cheap feeling and looking, right. but still fun, still bright, oh, yeah. still animated. Yeah. And then you would have, and so, but that's Saturday morning, you know, and then you'd have the, the weekday afternoon stuff, which was, Spider-Man 68, which was, um, which was Pink Panther, you know? And, mm, yeah. and so now this, we're talking about, you know, in the in late seventies, early eighties. Uh, yeah. But the, the stuff you caught on the weekdays after school was just a step even further down. You know, it was super friends, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but Hanna-Barbera right. super friends, you know? Yeah. And it was stuff that had moved from Saturday, you know, to, but there was so much of it that they could put it on weekdays as well and, and not have reruns happen very much. And, and so it was just kind of that, that was kind of the flow of the, the tears of, of quality. And, and then you get into the eighties where Disney starts doing Saturday morning stuff with, you know, gummy bears and things like that. And, and starts doing the, the afternoon walks. Well, that wasn't Disney, but um <laughs> no not they yet. did uh, <laughs> they did uh ducktales then yeah and, and so and then you have ducktales and you have these um uh tailspin which is still what was cool about it was now okay this is afternoon cartoons on the weekdays but it looks a little better than the yeah. other stuff you know if, yeah if you look at them i mean there's definitely still the quality so. yeah all right, so the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and the only reason that this did not get lumped in with the other ones because it kind of fits in what the other ones were is I've seen this <laughs> together. I yep. also saw them apart, but I've seen it together, and I love both segments. I think they're so much fun. Me too. I really love both of these, and I didn't realize I, – I just watched these a couple months ago as one movie – and I had never realized that it was Bing Crosby who's narrating and singing the entirety of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, <laughs> um, which was cool. You know and, who Bing Crosby is? Yes, I do, Steve. Okay, wow. That's yeah. point and, for you. Thank you. And um, have you guys been on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride at Disney World? No longer there. It's gone. <laughs> I, I think I had, but – I've been on it, yeah. I went on it when I was little. I don't remember much, except there's a part where you the car looks like it's going to hit you. And that's what sent my sister over the edge, and she, from then on, hated that ride. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow. Well, it, it, interesting Interesting to note, it got replaced with um, the uh, Winnie the Pooh ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in, there's a picture in the Winnie the Pooh ride of Mr. Toad handing over a deed to uh i think it's owl oh that's cool so it's sort of like, like a little little cute little thing they put in there yeah so now we're getting into i don't know if this is another era i i don't know how this divides out i'm not a super disney fan as far as knowing like oh how this all works but cinderella for me from here on out the animation is still top notch but it feels different it feels yeah i don't know cinderella is kind of a a uh transition point between you know the the incredible things you were getting with with bambi and dumbo and, and fantasia and then what was to follow which was much more stylistic and because uh 
I think because of the style felt a little more uh, cheap and a little more assembly line kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say cheap, but I do, I do feel the assembly line thing because I mean, if you look at everything before this, I think it's really, they're just harnessing all the raw creative energy and talent that they have to create these things. And then you get Cinderella onward and it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to put all this awesome raw creative talent into a mold and we're going to steam press it. <laughs> well, to look, the fit the studio style, you know, it's interesting that you say steam press because I feel like we are moving a little bit f- from the lush kind of 3d feeling and moving into a stylistic 2d feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. And, and so with Cinderella, not so much. I mean, and, and Cinderella, um, it's very cartoony and, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of loses some of the realism uh, that you had in like Bambi. Uh, but well, it doesn't help that three quarters of Cinderella is about mice. It is. <laughs> and the human characters are very, are very much caricatures. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you have the, the stepmother who looks like a stern old woman, but then the, the stepdaughters have, you know, elongated noses and necks and stuff like that. And, um, and feet, <laughs> When it comes down to it, um, but Cinderella herself, you know, this very um, simplistic, beautiful uh, caricature, and then you have the mice, and you have the king, and you have the the duke or whoever that is. But um, there, <laughs> and the second most forgettable of Disney prince. What? <laughs> I feel like he is like he doesn't do anything. Uh, does he even have a name? Prince Charles. No, Prince Philip is from Sleeping Beauty and he fights a dragon. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I, I conflated. I'm yeah. sorry. My bad. This guy just dances with somebody and can't yes. figure out who she is unless he puts a shoe on her. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Though in Cinderella 3, which we may talk about at a later time. Uh, not anytime uh, soon, though. Uh, is that the time travel one? Yeah. yeah. They give him stuff to do and he does stuff and – you could even maybe call him heroic in that one. Maybe <laughs> it's still a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's just no. not. Yeah. I just watched this recently with my daughter. Then you have oh, Alice right. in Wonderland. Oh my word. If you're talking about take it or leave it, leave this is it. take. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's leave it. It's, it's gotta be a take it because it's the best that you got, you know, it's like what to, do you mean? to do, to do Alice in Wonderland is it, I can only imagine in the 1950s and 19 late 1940s. It would be so incredibly difficult. And what we got out of, you know, Alice's adventures in Wonderland and through the looking glass, you know, jumbled together and smooshed around and all that stuff, you know, as, as, as much as the liberty has been taken with the text, what we got out of it was if you don't know the texts, it's it's cohesive, it it works, and all the the little intricacies work too. You know, when she's as big as a house and you know the painting the the roses red and you know, all this different stuff. The characters have real character to them. 
you know, and so in the book, you might not have got the same sense of it, but, you know, here, they, off with our head, and, you know, and just the over overbearingness of some of the characters and the, the underwhelmingness of some of the characters, you know, the Cheshire cat and stuff. Um, I think what we got was, I don't know if it's as best as they could have given us if they had broken it up into two films. But if you're going to do it in one film and you have both things that you need to do, I think that's that's what we got. So I got to say, take it. Well, and I, I, I I'll go, go ahead. ahead I was going to say, I've I've studied this book, uh, both these books. I, I I've yeah. studied them very very closely right. to, to do the the Oz Wonderland Chronicles uh, right. comic book, and it's this does a good job of taking two novels that aren't really stories. They're more episodes, you know, there's right. just move from one place to the next place. And, and there's good reason for that. And, you know, we can get into analysis of like, um, uh, where, you know, the, the one book is just like a chess game where she's moving from place to place as a pawn, you know, moving forward until she becomes right. a queen at the end. And it's like every single square is just a new thing, a new thing, a new thing. And it's these short stories that are based on, um, puns and and based on um you know just weirdness and an oddity right and, nonsense poetry and, and nonsense yeah and and so taking all of that and turning it into a story that's they, they did a pretty good job of it uh and, and i'd almost say one of the best screen versions of, of the story that i've i've seen well and but, i'd say that i just don't like alice in wonderland this okay story <laughs> but that's because there isn't a story i mean i know i know you either I like mean, the vibe of how he wrote it or yeah. you're not gonna like anything you know yeah, <laughs> right so i mean alice wonderland this because of that this movie is number 48 out of 51 on the list <laughs> wow <laughs> what did it beat what did it beat it beat dumbo aristocats and chicken little Aristocats, dude, oh, I hate man. Aristocats. We will get we'll there. Get to it. We'll hey, get hey, to hey, it. hey, we're only on number thirteen as far as how many movies we have we've talked I about know. here. Seriously, so, um, okay. So Peter Pan, Peter Pan Peter is Pan. next. Oh man, the ride at Disney World is so great. It is, it is. Best. But let's talk about yeah. the movie. Okay. <laughs> you know the it, ride. What I like best about the ride is that it doesn't uh, concentrate so much on the stuff that is not good in the movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, you it's, know, I, I probably wouldn't be able to rank this one very high. It's a, I like the ride. I really do. It's yeah. one of those rides that I like to go to, you know, sitting in the ship and, you know, all that stuff. A great ride. When I was a kid, I had no idea how those ships were flying and we were sitting in them. I oh, was like, how? That's fun. <laughs> is this happening? <laughs> Yeah, I just remember being very hot and going into that ride, and it was just so cool. Like it, it was so nice to get out of the heat. Uh, nice, but yeah, the the movie then it's got its good points and its bad points. And Peter Pan is a great character in general. I like the ride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. The this is not my favorite version of Peter Pan. Um, there it does have some nice classic stuff in it, like Captain Hook. Yeah, uh, yeah. just his characterization, Tinkerbell. Um, but like Peter Pan himself, kind of sucks. 
(laughs) (laughs) Just because he's like a, you know, he's a jerk. Um, Well, he's a boy. Yeah, I know. Weren't you a jerk when you were a boy? I was. See? I was indeed. I was nicer to girls, though, than he was. (laughs) What I like about the movie is the wonder that it brings and the, yeah. the you know the, the idea of the shadow that can you know escape its right. master or its, or its owner or whatever and yeah. and the 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 fairy dust and different things like that and it is a gorgeous looking movie uh it's just it i the last time we watched it i don't even remember when it was yeah it, it was just very hard to get through and and then there are the things with uh you know the indian characters and mm-hmm. um yeah. But the the ideas, and this was my introduction to Peter Pan as a character, right? And and the ideas, and and you know, Captain Hook losing his hand, and the alligator liking the taste so much now it's following him, mm-hmm. and, but it has the <laughs> clock inside, and there, yeah. there's some really really neat imaginative fantasy stuff. But dude, and there's some stuff in there that you don't catch as a kid, and it's like, wow, yeah. Captain Hook just murdered that guy for playing the accordion badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in his first 10 seconds yeah. on screen. Yeah. <laughs> so. So next we go to Lady and the Tramp. Okay. I haven't seen this for a long time, but I remember this is just a gorgeous film to look at. Yes. Yes. Like, man, it's beautiful, especially all the background paintings. Just the idyllic, like 1920s American town. Yeah, you know, I did not like Lady though. Like, oh, really? no, I don't know why. I just remember not liking Lady and thinking Tramp was really cool, and and Lady's like bringing him down. Like, like he doesn't. <laughs> See, I he, thought, he doesn't need her. Like, get away from her. You know, live your I life. Thought Tramp, <laughs> I thought Tramp was cool until we met his friends, and I'm like, oh, Ugh. let's not hang out with him. Like, wow. But that uh, that rat though freaked me out. The rat, really bad. Why did it freak you out? Because he's gonna attack the baby. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess in the crib yeah. all alone. I thought the the um the Siamese cats were creepy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forgot about them. <laughs> they were bad. I watched more of them in the Disney sing-along video we had than in the actual movie. <laughs> oh, now, this is one of those films, though, where – and I'll have to check with um, uh, Alice in Wonderland maybe. But w- with Lady and the Tramp, you're starting to get um, a lot of uh, uh, actors, voice actors that you would have heard on radio. Mm. A lot like, um, you know, Mel Blanc, who, you know, did a lot of voices, obviously, for everybody. But he had his own show. Uh, He was a recurring character on the Jack Benny show. Uh, Alan Reed, uh, uh, Stan Freeberg, um, you know, and you get these these characters and it's it goes to. uh, I'm trying to trying to put everything together. (laughs) But um, what's the guy's name who uh, does the voice of. Uh, the lead in the Aristocats, and he's also the the voice of Baloo and Little John. Uh, and Little John, uh, I'm no, completely I forgetting his couldn't name. Couldn't tell you his uh, name. He had uh-huh. his own TV, his own radio show with his wife, whose name I forget. A Faye, okay, uh, something. Bruce Ritherman. Uh, no, I'll get nope. it in just a second. It's Phil Harris, is what it is. Phil Harris, exactly. 
And you, you start getting like characters who, if you listen to radio and who didn't in the thirties and forties, um, you would be hearing these voices now. And, you know, now it's in the mid fifties, lady in the tramp, um, that you've been, you've been hearing for, for years. And now their voices, you know, like modern day animation, you know, you get to hear, I don't know, actors and singers that, uh, you know, uh, that you've seen in other places. And now you're, you're hearing them with the voices of these, these animals or these, you know, animated characters. And that's kind of fun back then. It would be those radio characters who it's like, Oh, wait a minute. That's the guy that does that thing on that show. And, you know, trying to put those together. I think that would have been a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, I think this is the movie that it's really starts to move into getting, that stable of, of, uh, of voices and characters. Well, and, and this is where you're, you're getting more into that stylized aesthetic, even more that's going to be really seen in, in sleeping beauty here, but, um, where it's, don't, it's still top notch and it's still like top of the heap as far as, you know, King of the Hill, as far as mm-hmm. animation goes, but it's, it, it doesn't feel, I don't know as as well as wonderful as as you were getting in in you know pinocchio and and i know what i know what you mean but sleeping beauty is heavily stylized even more so than that's uh, what i'm saying is the next one is is even more like and and with sleeping beauty you have the the stylized it's the aesthetic is kind of like tapestries and and there's a there's absolutely a I, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Medieval quality. Yeah, I mean, but the, a, a medieval quality and then a gothic, a 60s style as mm-hmm. well kind of thing where I don't know, you know, the, the Andrew Lloyd, Boy, or what's his name? Andrew Lloyd Webber. No. So what? No, right. <laughs> I don't uh, know. The, the, the architect. I don't know you, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. Yes. Andrew Lloyd Webber is uh, a <laughs> fan of the opera. Slightly. And, yeah, and I know. Cats. That's what I was thinking. No, no. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright kind of um, style where it's, you know, very, very bold lines, straight lines. And, yes. Um, Lots of geometric angular. shapes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And very, mm-hmm. very angular. And, and so it feels less, I don't know, lush. Um, there's less dimension to it, but there's so much style. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, that's what, that's what does it for me with Sleeping Beauty, that and the dragon. It's also got <laughs> a really exciting dragon battle, but yeah. I, well, I think it's, it's interesting because in Snow White, it, this is just my take and people have lots of different takes, but you know, Snow White is, you know, in this glass coffin. And then this prince comes down and takes her to this castle in the clouds. And when I saw that, I was like, that's Christian imagery. You know, I mean, it's not coming out and saying, Hey, I'm Jesus and I'm taking you to heaven. But it's, it was just so much for me anyway, just Christian imagery. And now you have you know, uh, have someone with uh, a shield with a cross on it, defeating, you know, a dragon and, you know, saving someone from, you know, this, a type of death. And again, this, you know, heavy Christian imagery. I mean, even Philip is, is 
a, a name out of scripture. I mean, obviously you could get it almost anywhere, but still it's, it's that type of thing where it's so, uh, you know, over the top, what else can he do? He, he can only stand behind this shield. What is the, the shield of faith, you know, and in, in the movie, I guess it's a shield of virtue, but you know, it's, it's, it's that type of thing where when I was, when I'm watching it, I'm always like, just taken aback by the, the, the deep Christian imagery that I'm watching on the big screen. And everyone is saying it's a Disney thing. And I'm saying yeah, it's, it's a Christian thing. Yeah. And the, cause it's also the, the dragon is the witch. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's really cool. It's really like she transforms into this thing and there's fire yeah. and there's sword play. And it's a, it's one guy going up against a dragon. How can he win? You know, and the castle's tumbling yeah. around and um, it's, it's, it's one of the most exciting of these early Disney movies as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like the part where they're making her birthday cake. <laughs> it always <laughs> makes magic. me want to eat cake. <laughs> Every time I watch it, I'm like, man, I want some cake. <laughs> the funny thing about this one for me is I didn't watch this until I was out of college, but I had the book and record and I listened to that thing a lot. And, and the book had that, uh, it had the style of the artwork as well and had little bits yeah. of the song. And then I realized, um, before seeing the movie, but in, in college, the music that they were using is classical music. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's not written for sleeping beauty and I'm listening. I'm like, wait a minute, that, that song that I'm yeah. listening to right now on this classical music CD, I had on my little record player. Yeah. Yeah. I danced the, with you once upon a dream. I, I've sang that song to Yumi uh, since she was born. Uh, we had that in our wedding. That was our uh, mm. first dance. All right, we're now entering the Xerox era. Yeah, 101 <laughs> Dalmatians. And and this is where this is a grittier animation style now. It's not as smooth, it's not Well, as, it's because of the Xerox method that yeah, they're using. Yeah. Which and, is where they're not doing cleanup necessarily, but they're using Xerox copy machines uh, to do their inking for them pretty much. And the style works. Yeah. And and it fits the the tone of the the story that they're telling and it just it absolutely feels different yeah. than than what came before which was yeah just that hand drawn with the the inks and the, yeah and so now you're coming into this and it's kind of huh well and it feels cheaper. It feels yeah. more Hanna-Barbera. Again, yeah. we're still top notch, you know, to, don't get me wrong, but it feels like the the backgrounds and the characters aren't of a of a piece. Yeah, a little more in this than than they have in the in the other ones. This one's definitely got a, a very '60s style as well. Yeah, which is yeah. one of the only positive things I'll say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Not one of my favorites. <laughs> okay, so anything else about this one before we get into the next one, which is one of my favorites? Oh, really, Ben? Oh, really, Evan? Mm. The sword in the stone. Mm. Again, this is, I love this movie so much. Number 44 out of 51. Well, <laughs> the Evan David uh, list. we can't be friends anymore. But 
but we're still going to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Why is it so low for you? I like it feels like something I would really like, but man, it is boring and not a lot happens of consequence in it for me. So and it's really just a giant uh PSA to stay in school. <laughs> or it's the childhood adventures prequel story of one of the greatest myths and legends of all time. Yeah. But it's also a giant PSA to stay in school. <laughs> Not, uh, sure. Whatever you want to say. I mean, listen to your elders, learn things from them and, you know, don't die in the moat when you're supposed to be paying attention. Why is there a barracuda in a British castle moat? Uh, maybe Merlin brought it there since he clearly yeah. is not just able to travel through space, but also through time. Maybe right. there's a magic barracuda. Could be a magic barracuda. You know, you know who like got the worst deal of all in that movie is the girl squirrel. Yeah. That was unfortunate <laughs> for her. Yeah. She's just so sorry for her. Yeah. But it's a great movie. Uh, I think it's more than just what you're saying there. I mean, this is seeing King Arthur learn about being a leader and learning about, you know, doing good and yeah, Eh, learn about the, the plot structure of the movie as a whole does not hold up for me. It does not, it's not cohesive enough for me. It's episodic for sure. Yeah, yeah, and in the, and I feel like if this was a series of shorts, it would have been better, and uh, because I do, there's some great stuff in it, like, but they're like Walt Disney pre-feature shorts sort of great stuff, you know, like the squirrel sequence is great, the washing dishes sequence is great, um, packing up the whole house is great, the <laughs> the Madame Mim duel is pretty fun, but oh, it's all I love that, yeah, it's love all just duel. so dis discombobulated and but my favorite part in the whole movie is the opening thing where they're telling the story in the book yep yeah because i love the imagery in that and and the song well i love this movie i think it's i think it's great i think it's wonderful (laughs) steve you've been quiet well you know what i don't have a lot to add to this and i know i've seen it um I think it was it was just the type of thing where growing up you had those classic you know the the Disney princess movies you had those and then you had ones that were like similar but they were like on the B level like you know Peter Pan uh, I guess it technically has a princess with Tiger Lily um or Alice in Wonderland you know that type of thing where it's not the the grand sweeping epic feel that you get with those other princess movies uh you know pinocchio bambi and things like that those were always like the b level and then you had this c level that came in you know for me anyway it was uh you know lady and the tramp was the first one of of that level and not that it was a bad you know like c type movie or you know terrible movie they just had that different slightly different quality to it that I didn't feel as though I wanted to go back to them. You know, if I've seen them once was enough. So 
uh, you know, for me, until I had kids, uh, Lady and the Tramp was one of those. Uh, the, Aristoc- the Aristocats was one of those. Um, and uh, that whole, you know, run, almost all of the movies between those two, uh, which is basically all of the 60s, just had that feel to them for me. Um, the The problem with a lot of these movies is they're based on books – and instead of just finding the story, they're just choosing the episodes. Right. And, and so yeah, that's stringing together. You know, that's what you get with, well, um, Alice in Wonderland and 101 Dalmatians somewhat. This one definitely. And, you know, even the next few that we're going to talk about here, like Jungle Book. Like it's just right. here's, here's the next thing that happens. Here's the next thing that happens. But it's not building up to a single thing. Sword in the Stone doesn't build up to pulling the sword from the stone. No. Pulling the sword <laughs> from the stone is another episode yeah. in the storyline. Uh, and it's kind of a similar thing with, with The Jungle Book. And as a novel where it's a series of vignettes, you, it kind of works a little better. Um, but I, I wonder what would have happened if they would have been able to bring in someone to just say, you know, don't give us – episodes that happen in the book but give us you know episodes that happen in the book that allow us to follow one single through line well although Disney, right. sword in the stone does have a single through line learning um <laughs> staying in school yeah yeah uh walt disney wouldn't let his animators or the writers or whoever read the jungle book really because yeah he wouldn't he said do not read it he said here's the book I want you to take it and I want you to never to read it because it's too dark and I don't want ideas from this book getting into your head for this movie. Hmm. So, <laughs> um, well, and how, the jungle book yeah. is, is short stories, right? I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it's been a long time since I've read it and I may not have even read it the whole way through because like Ricky T. Tavi, that comes from the jungle book, doesn't it? Oh, really? I didn't know that. I don't I know. Love same writer, but I don't know if it's, if it's the, if it's from that book. So don't quote me, listeners, but (laughs) Jungle Book is good. It's fun and it has really catchy songs and it's disturbing too. the whole monkey thing. I want to be like you. And then what happens afterward where they're it's it's scary. But your main character, uh, Mowgli, he's just pushed around from one place to another, to another, to another and pulled here, pulled there, rescued from there. And I feel like he never does anything himself. Yeah. The live action remake is is much better if you want to experience a really good Jungle Book is story. Really? I've not yeah. seen it. It is great. So you can and you can quote me on that, listeners. Well, I can't wait to see the live action version of the Aristocats. Oh, because if anything, if any movie deserved a live action, it's, no. it's the Aristocats. No, that no. Number 50 out of 51 <laughs> on my list. So, no thanks. Uh, wow. This one I saw in theaters when it was, I guess I was in second or third grade or something like that. But um, And it was fun to see it on the, on the big screen. But that's the only reason I have any fond memories of it. Uh, that and the style. There's some fun stylistic stuff going on with this movie. But yeah, yeah not, I, not, I'm, not a great one. Yeah, not a fan of the characters, not a fan of the music. 
I don't know. Some of the characters are very stark, like uh, Shere Khan. And, we're talking uh, about Aristocats. Oh, we're still at Aristocats? We moved How on. We Aristocats, we moved Aristocats was Jungle after Book. Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. I think we just zipped right in. Well, we're yeah, trying to my, zip a little favorite, bit because we need to finish our list. My favorite Aristocat was Shere Khan. <laughs> <laughs> he is very Aristocatic. Yeah. Now, Aristocats was interesting because uh, it was one of my kids' like favorite things to watch as children. So we eventually got the DVD and watched it over and over and over. But it was it was always, I mean, I, I could sit through some of it and then I'd go do something else and then I'd come back and, you know, sit through a different part of it. Um, so I, and I liked it. I, uh, uh, Phil Harris, which we mentioned before, he just has that type of voice where, you know, in Robin Hood and in, in the Jungle Book and in, in the Aristocats, it, it just, he had that nice you know, just slightly Southern drawl to his characters mm-hmm. that just made those characters, uh, you know, automatically like, you know, even if they weren't front and center, they were still one of your favorite characters. They were, See, smooth, I don't like his voice. They were smooth and cool. You don't like his voice. Oh, Oh, that's unfortunate. I do not think smooth or cool when I yeah. think of that. <laughs> that's too bad. <laughs> okay. All, right, All right. So Robin hood up next, Evan, Yes. This is a make or break for us, man. Okay. Do you like this movie? It is firmly in the okay category. <laughs> it's uh, I'll accept whew. that. Yeah, well, okay, look, it's number 29 out of 51. So it's up. It's further up there. It's, it's not even the top half. Well, it's two behind The Little Mermaid. Well, that's okay, because The Little Mermaid would be in the very bottom of mine. <laughs> Robin Hood is up there for me, man. I love this one. Yeah, it has the most whistleable song, whistleable song yes. of all time. Very true. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. It's it's when I say it's like it's like talking about Star Wars movies, right? Because nope. we all they're all great, but there's just some you like less than others, and so this one. Nope. This one's in the middle, the, the middle-ish area. The thing about Robin Hood for me is I could rewatch this movie a lot. I just really yeah. enjoy it. The one thing that's interesting is this is the first time where I started really recognizing recycled animation. Yeah. <laughs> so even as a young kid watching it, I'm recognizing that I've seen these movements before. Yeah. In this movie and in the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that was very interesting to me because and, and I think it wouldn't have been as noticeable if Baloo and Little John didn't look so much alike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're the same character design with color changes and a little bit of costume change. Yeah. 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 And, and the same voice actor. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> and then yeah. they reuse some of uh, the movements of uh, Baloo in Jungle Book for Robin Hood. Mm. And yeah. it was the first time I ever noticed anything like that and realized, wow, even, you know, expensive big movies yeah, uh, do, do cheap little things. <laughs> yeah. If you, I, look, if, if you look at the, uh, the, the credits, the director and story screenplay credits for Robin Hood and the Jungle Book, very similar. Uh, Wolfgang <laughs> Reitherman was the director for both a director producer on Robin Hood. Um, and you have, you know, Larry Clemens, uh, Vance, Gary, Ken Anderson, you know, and and I'm sure that these guys were 
you know, in the in the mode of you know, hey, we got to release these things at, at the time. It was every three years, I guess. Um, well, you know, and, and they reused animation from Aristocats in Robin Hood as well. Yeah, yeah, huh. and that if you look at the the credits for for the Aristocats, uh, Reitherman is also the director. Uh, Larry Clemens, Vance Gary, Ken Anderson. So you know, you have these people working on these movies and saying, you know, what are we going to do? Are, are people really going to notice this three years later? You know, well, back then, may, uh, yeah. more than likely, no, because yeah. three years later, they haven't seen the movie in three years. Right. And maybe there's been clips on TV. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. they are not on DVD. They are yeah. not on VHS. They are not YouTube. available to watch over and over and over again. Yeah. But for me, seeing them within a couple years of each other, I did notice it even as a kid. Well, yeah. that's you. No one else would have noticed it. I, right. I am the only one all over <laughs> the world. Yep. The only, the only thing I really didn't like about Robin Hood uh, is the Little John. Or not Little John. Prince John. Prince John? Prince John, yeah. Yeah. Just, I never liked his scenes because, like, I like my villains in my movies to be really intimidating. And so that way it's much better when the hero overthrows them. Right. So, but everything else, yeah, it's great. I love all the archery fun stuff and it's great. <laughs> well, and you say that he's not intimidating because he's kind of, uh, you know, he's throwing baby. Tant- Mommy. Tant- yeah, yeah. yeah. But, thumb. but he is destroying life for everyone. Oh, he is for sure. And I mean, he, there is, he's mostly doing that through the sheriff of Nottingham. Though. Right. And yeah. that's, yeah, but the, it's bad. I mean, this, this is a movie that goes into some dark places just because of, it's stormy and they're in poverty and yeah. And it's sad. And like, yeah. yeah. And at one point everybody's in jail. Yeah. 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 And he's preparing the noose. Yeah. Yeah. And you get a sense of what poverty is like a little bit because you are, you know, you, you want to, to be sympathetic to these characters and this little bunny and the, you know, the, and the, the, the big bad guy comes in and just takes and takes and takes. And you're just like, that's unfair, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to condone theft, but at the same time, you're just taking back what belongs to these people. You know, Robin Hood wasn't a thief. He was a restorer. And if you look at it that way, it, you know, it, it makes a lot more uh, spiritual sense. Yeah, you yeah. Know, in a Christian way, he's he's restoring, he's redeeming, uh, you know, what was lost that these people can't get back for themselves. But in a much more literal, legal way, oh he, yeah, he's going to jail. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, okay, so next we have the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which does not reuse animation from uh, the Aristocats, <laughs> as as far as I know. Uh, and this this is good. It's very oh, good. It, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. This it's was a special classic. one. Yeah. This was a special one to me because at the same time, I had this, I had uh, the record, the album, the record album, and I would play it over and over. I had uh, The Hobbit, which I think came out later on this year. And, and and this would have been like this this year I got the Winnie the Pooh, maybe next year I got The Hobbit. And then the year after that, I got uh, the. Uh, the Star Wars, uh, the two record set of the 
the you know the themes and all that stuff. So I would play you know these three and maybe a couple other ones that I had. Um, I think I had Robin Hood as well. Um, but I would just play them and just you know this this was part of my imagination. I had the you know, the big record album with the book in it that you would turn the pages and you could see, and it had the um, the pre pre-production version of Tigger. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, I'd be surprised. But uh, there was a pre-production version of Tigger that wasn't the Tigger that we know. And in the book that was printed along with the record album, it had that pre-production version of Tigger. Uh, so when I saw Tigger, I was sort of like, who's that guy? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I had the book and record for this one too. Yeah. Never noticed. <laughs> well, you, well, you would have been, you know, like three or four. Four, was, yeah. Yep. probably 10, you know, by the time I got this 10 or 11. So I was able to, you know, suss it out. But yeah, this was a fantastic little one. I loved the, the you know, the word play. I loved that they, you know, had text on the screen yeah. sometimes. And they interacted with the text. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, it always feels special to me when a Disney movie opens up with a book opening, you know? Yeah. And this one always felt the most special to me. Because it wasn't in like a, you know, a castle or anything. It was like mm-hmm. in your grandma's house. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Definitely, uh, my my grandma's house. Definitely. So we move from this to the rescuers, and in my head canon, the rescuers are part of the same universe as the Great Mouse Detective, and part of the same universe as Rescue Rangers, the the TV show. Nice. Where it's just it's just all these rodents who are helping people and. And and the rescuers is another one that's kind of special to me. I didn't see the movie for a very long time until um, I couldn't even tell you when I saw it, but maybe high school, maybe junior high. But I had the book. I had these picture books. I and they were Disney picture books, hardcovers that just told the story of the movie. Winnie the Pooh was another one um, that I had the book, not a record book for this one. I had Winnie the Pooh. I had the record book and I had the a hardcover. Uh, storybook but this one i had the the storybook as well and uh i loved reading this book over and over and over again i'm not a huge fan of this one um i just yeah i just don't like it it's It's a fun one it's dark i mean yeah it's about a girl gets kidnapped because she's small enough to go into the caves where there's a diamond that's been in a skull. Yeah. In a, in a skull. <laughs> and you know, she needs help. And so, um, Oh, what's, uh, Bianca. And I can't remember the, the, the guy's name, the boy's name. Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name, but, either. um, you know, they Bob go to, Newhart. they go to say, yeah, Bob Newhart. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why maybe that's why I love this movie so much too. But I like the, the part I like most about this movie is the dragonfly. Cause his name was Evan rude. <laughs> and I was like, yay, I'm in a movie. And you're rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Fox and the Hound then is is the next one. Saw this in theaters uh, when it came out <laughs> originally. Nice. And what did, what did almost, you think of the ending? Oh, man. <laughs> I This is the first time I sat in a theater. Maybe the second time. Which came out first, this or E.T.? Where... Yes. I sat in the theater and was trying not to let myself feel emotions because (laughs) like the lump in my throat is growing 
And, <laughs> you know, honestly, this is probably, I know I had a dog around this time. I really wish I could remember if this is around the time when we had my dog put to sleep. Oh, it would have been right around this time. Might have been after, but if it was before, it would make sense then that I was even feeling it even more. Um, yeah, he, we, we think he might have, um, we don't think he was rabid, but he uh-huh. had been gotten, he was getting in fights with raccoons and stuff like that. And we just had to, he bit my sister then. And so it was like, no, nope, we're done. Oh, and, yeah. and I never really understood the full weight of that until I was much older when all of a sudden I realized, we we killed my dog, <laughs> like, and I knew I knew he was dead. I mean, we called it put to sleep, but I knew he was dead. I knew it wasn't that he was sleeping. I knew he wasn't like at a farm, you know, or anything like that. That yeah. you, know, you hear about people telling their kids. But um, my dad was pretty honest with me about what we had to do. But I never really emotionally let loose with that until I think I might have been in college mm. when I was just like, you know, feeling sorrow for my lost my dog that I lost, you know, decades ago. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one, this is a good one. It's not, it's not the most exciting one, but it's, it's good. I'm, I'm sure I saw this one in the theater, but it came out the same year that star Wars came out. So <laughs> to me growing up, that was, that was pretty much it. So I think after this, it's difficult for me as a child to go see another cartoon having seen, you know, what star Wars and New hope pre- presented on the big screen. So it was, uh, after this, it just, I don't have a lot of, of memories <laughs> of, of, uh, of Disney stuff. Well, let's talk about another one that a lot of people don't have a lot of memories about <laughs> the black cauldron. <laughs> The Black Cauldron, Disney's lowest point in their financial box office because they were beaten by the Care Bears movie on the I, opening weekend. Well, the I, Care Bears movie was pretty rocking. Oh, dude, don't talk to me about that movie. It's like it is brain melting, that movie. Yeah, that but it was a huge deal. I mean, if you're talking about just brand awareness – Black Ugh. Cauldron, the bl- the brand awareness for that is just Disney. Zero. Yeah. But brand awareness for uh, the Care Bears, it, it, everyone had Care Bears. Everyone had Care Bears. They were huge, oh. man. Huge. Um. But so what? Have you seen this, guys? I have not. Wow. I have seen parts of it, and. I I think I thought I'd seen this, but I haven't. And it's on Hulu, or it was. It, it was. And I, I wish that I had known we were coming, going to be doing this episode, you know, a few days earlier instead of uh, just deciding on it today and, and putting it together, um, because I wanted to watch this. Uh, and, and now I'm like, oh, I wish I had been able to watch it before we talked about it. But Steve. Steve. I I think I conflated the Black Cauldron with uh, Sword in the Stone. Steve. Yes. I've seen a 1980s fantasy movie that Ben hasn't seen. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this wow. a couple months ago on Hulu because I wanted to see it. I've never seen it. It's one of those. What do you think? How does it rank? You know what? I liked it. Wow. You know who worked um, on this movie? Richard Rich. Tim Burton. 
Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. As an wow. animator, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Richard Rich is the guy who is who created all of those Nest Bible films that I love so much. Okay. And he directed this, and he directed um, Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie is like the the second most '80s Disney movie that there is, because it's just. <laughs> You bring in all the 80s fantasy tropes and just shove them together, and it's pretty – it's the closest thing you're going to get to a Legend of Zelda animated film that we have right now. Um, it's, it's it's pretty – I mean it's it's also probably the darkest visually of the Disney movies because when the, when the bad guy gets killed or whatever, it's just they're ripping flesh off of stuff, and there's just skeletons everywhere and undead armies and – yeah, so it's it's heavy, heavy uh, '80s fantasy magic stuff. It's the um, Don Bluthiness, uh, Bluthiest of the, uh, <laughs> the Disney movies. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. But like that being said, if you take the Don Bluthiness and you harness it under the reins of Disney, this is like much better than his, a lot of his movies. Um, I think you will really like it, Ben, when you watch it. Well, I hope so, and I hope to see it soon. But we'll get this. The, from like Sleeping Beauty, uh, the production cost was six million. All right. Since then, since Sleeping Beauty in the fifties, down to the Fox and the Hound, actually at the Rescuers, none other of the the Disney films had had that much of a production uh, cost going into it. Rescuers was seven point five million. Fox and the Hound was twelve million. The Black Cauldron was forty four million dollars to make. Worldwide gross, it made less than half of that. Yeah, it, I mean, and it sh- the level of quality shows in the animation. It's it's very good. There, there um, wasn't another movie with that budget for Disney until The Lion King. Wow, and The Lion crazy. King was only forty five million. That's crazy, it was, and it is crazy. the The story in this isn't like the strongest either, but I'd say it's like narratively, as far as an adventure story it's it's much better than like the past 10 disney films that we've talked about (laughs) well that's because it is an adventure story right and the other ones are like vignettes like this is we have a goal let's go after it and and then there's a climax that has to do with the goal yeah yeah (laughs) And, and i say that without even having seen this movie but knowing it's based on a book that's actually a novel that's an adventure novel that I read right. when I was – I would have read the novel if not before this movie came out, right after it because I, this is 85 now. I would have been 11 years old. I I know I read these books the around that time because I, I can picture my library and the books on the shelf of my library and you know checking these books out from uh lloyd alexander and yeah but i never did see it mm. <laughs> wanted to uh, but the wow. next we, we have two more all right and and i have a feeling this is not number one the great mouse detective came when i was at the height of my sherlock holmes fandom nice <laughs> i was you know 12 years old and was just really getting into it and I'm, i still love sherlock holmes don't be wrong but this happened and i was just oh i gotta see this and this is amazing i love it, this movie 
Yeah, it's great. Um, the villain in this is great. It's fantastic. Yes. Professor Radigan. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, you have Vincent Dawson Price. and Basil. Yeah. Vincent Price. Um, and then they actually got some unused or maybe it was used, but they got some dialogue from the, the Sherlock Holmes TV show. Huh. Or one of the movies and yeah, use that. It was actually that. from a record. Was it? it? From a, like a 1966 record. Yeah. Of, of, of him reading the story, the redheaded league. Yeah. And, and so they had like actual, like a Sherlock Holmes actor, um, doing that. Cool. That, yeah. And it just, it's, it's great. And I, it's based on a series of books. And, and so I was getting those books from the, um, the little papers that you get and take home and, <laughs> weekly and readers make the check marks, you know, and then yeah. bring your money back in an envelope. And then, you know, a week later you get the books, um, yeah. or two weeks later or whatever. And that's how I was getting these books. And it was, it, it just hit at the perfect time. Mm. And it was probably if it had hit just three months later, I would have been too old for it, but, <laughs> um, but it was perfect. Okay. So I believe this is the first, uh, Disney movie to feature CGI in it. In the really? clock, the the Big Ben clock tower fight, uh, they used it for, you know, animating all the gears and things. Yeah. Um, and you can't tell if you do, if you weren't looking for it, you couldn't tell. Well, um, I, I think least, that's because I think they drew over the CGI. Oh yes, I, th- I believe you're right. Yes. So, um, so they had CGI. they used the wireframe to do the movements, but then they went in and and drew it as if it was animated by right, by hand. Right. Um, so I loved this as a kid and then I go to watch it as a, like a 19, 20 year old and that bar scene with the mouse singing, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Yeah. It's, my kids talk about that a lot. It is wildly inappropriate. Yeah. Wow. Um, there is a line in the song where she says, I will take off all my clothes. And what? Yes. <laughs> it's like, okay. It like, and it has nothing to do with the story of the movie at all. <laughs> well, pretty- it does because it sets up the character and yeah. she's a part of things. And okay. Yeah. Um, next is the most eighties Disney movie that there ever was. And it's Oliver and company. Two words. Billy Joel. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say Huey Lewis and the news. Yeah. Okay. How about, (laughs) how about Joey Lawrence? I don't know who that is. (laughs) Eighties. If you ever hear anyone say, whoa, (laughs) <laughs> yes okay, it's because yes. of joey lawrence gotcha yeah. gotcha yeah it, just but, as a as a as a just an aside here I, I looked up the lyrics to uh let me be good to you i think she says let me uh, i'll take off all my blues that's what, what does it, that mean i don't think I, that's what it says in the movie well it's <laughs> it it, it, to, it has to rhyme with there's nothing i won't do just for you. So okay. clothes doesn't really rhyme with those. Well, <laughs> okay. Anyways, it is inappropriate. It is inappropriate. No matter how right. you slice it, no matter what she says. Back to Oliver and company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Despite the, despite my love of the eighties and eighties uh, culture and eighties music, not one of my favorite movies, except for the part where they're making cookie dough. Cause man, that makes me want to eat cookie dough. 
Okay. Um, and yeah, we get Cheech in this one, Dom DeLuise, you know, it's, it's a different, a different like strain of, of uh, voice characters that you're getting, I think uh, nowadays or, you know, then a days <laughs> with, uh, with these characters. I'll just say this. I haven't seen it. What? Really, yep. Ben? Okay. Well, I mean, why would I? I can't remember seeing it. I mean, why should you worry about it, Ben? Why should you care about this movie? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was my point. 1988. I was now 14. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, this was a cutesy dog movie. You know, yeah. even, even if it was based on Oliver Twist, I didn't care. And yeah. so I Dickens was who? too old for the cutesy dog movie and too young to appreciate Billy Joel. <laughs> I, who I, beca- I loved Dickens. Billy Joel in, in college. That's where I discovered him and um, just played his CDs over and over and over again because I got his greatest hits from one of those eight albums for a dime <laughs> and then nice. you have to buy six albums in the next year. Uh, and that's, I, I got that played it over and over and over again. And river of dreams was around that time when I, when I was getting into Billy Joel and yeah, this, I did not care who Billy Joel was at that time. Yeah. So. It's not, it's not super great, but if you want to see Disney do the eighties, this is the movie for you. Cause they, they do it. I believe it. All right, then. <clears throat> so All next right. next is Little Mermaid. Things change, and we'll, we'll talk about that in our next part where we do round two of Disney movies. And this one, the, the next round of, of movies, there's a lot, and a lot that I don't like and haven't seen, and a lot that I really, really like. But The entirety of my top 15 Disney movies are in the next episode. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me though. So because that's I mean that's your childhood right there. It's yeah, that's right. Well, the it's, Renaissance. Yeah. But it's also where we got really, really good storytelling from these things. And guys I mean this is when Home missed, on the Range hand happens. We we missed yes. we we missed a movie. Did we? Home on the Range is number forty six out of fifty one, so it's <laughs> it's not up there. What what we, we missed miss? We missed a movie. What did we oh, miss? We missed Song of the South. <gasps> that's not that's, on the list. That's well, it's not an animated movie. It's it's a hybrid. Uh, so I yeah, so it wouldn't be on here anyway. Oh, yeah. oh. it's live yeah, action because is Mary Poppins isn't on here either. No, no. And either is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think those are mostly live action. I think that Song of the South is mostly cartoon, right? I think it's half and half, actually. It's been a long time since I've seen it. A long time since I've seen it. I've never seen it because now it's illegal. <laughs> well, I think it's problematic. And I think it's the type of thing where if we're going to cover this, we should maybe even do it in an entire episode. Or at least an episode of problematic movies. You and know, how sort to of respond like, to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's not so, a bad idea. Let's just, let's just hold off on that. We'll table it. All right. And all I have to say is, these are Disney movies. So much better than, I don't know, last episode's movie, 
Pokemon the movie. <laughs> I would rather watch any one of these than that. So, Me too. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, any final words before we head off and uh, maybe rush to watch some homework before we come back? Because there might be some movies we haven't seen yet. <laughs> or want to rewatch Hercules. I haven't seen that in forever. It's not going to be a problem for me, Ben. Seen them all. Actually. Oh, Brother Bear. I haven't seen that. Number 47. And Princess, out of 51. Princess and the Frog. I haven't seen wow. that. Wow. That's a good one. Eh, I, I, I'm doing better than I thought. How many I've seen? Okay. Any final words? My final words are remember. You're the one who can fill the world with sunshine. Hmm. Snow Deep. I'm trying to come up with a really profound Disney quote like Steve, but uh, I'm not coming up with one. So I'm just going to say, Go ahead and talk, then I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, but we've also got the theme music running in the background. Oh, we got these two things happening side by side. I don't know. And I'm going to say thanks for listening and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 Once again, thanks for listening. Steve. Steve. I, I think I conflated the Black Cauldron with uh, Sword in the Stone. Steve. Yes. I've seen a 1980s fantasy movie that Ben hasn't seen. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa.